0: in the trap. This feels for <laughs>
1: Believe in Miracles? Hey, I
0: play chess, but only in 4D. I'm by myself, but they think I'm 4D. When they see me online, they think they know me. Go ahead, like a subscribe, you got to show me. I applied pressure and they tried to reject it. Clearly ain't see I was a diamond, so they didn't accept it. Told me I was a failure, so I said F it. Might even start my own school and teach them a lesson. Yeah, I'm going to call it self-harming. Huh. Fly down south and get the south popping <laughs> One day I'ma give you a walkthrough And introduce you to this walk walkthrough I know you lost, that's just dynasty talk Cause you can't start no franchise without no dynasty talk I took a break from the game, nicked on my dynasty stock Till I came back like Wimby Yama, I feel like Coach Pop I can't say that I'm the GOAT, cause you ain't gonna agree But if I own my own farm, I can make the GOAT Me, the ladies love the beard, and they used to love the GOAT That's when I was a land, burning music on CDs I wasn't born in 88 December 87, I was 16 days away. Might fly to Dallas, why not? I just got paid today. When I land this dirt statue, I came to fade away. Check the timeline for the stories and the play by play. My life a Patreon, Link, you gotta pay to play. I, I work 16 hours, boy. That's an 88. X Factor like this Brian, my boy 88. Watch dream light when you living like a heavyweight. This ain't a one-week thing, we grind like every day. They know my destination, Devi, like I with Ray. If they ain't know my name, I bet they know my name today. Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. Drop, drop this on Fizzle Friday, cause that's my favorite day. And I'm gonna do it my way, cause that's my favorite way. They tried to put me on the shelf like I'm laying away. Told me it ain't no way, so I made a way. Huh? Welcome to South Harman, huh? I'm glad you here today. Welcome to South Harm, huh? and I'm glad you're here today, here today. I'm glad you here today Welcome to South Harm, huh? and I'm glad you're here today, here today. I'm glad you here today Hit that Patreon link if you're here to stay, huh? Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today <laughs>
2: what's good everybody 40 just dynasty football podcast in the house hope everybody's doing fine 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 for those of you watching this we're recording this on wednesday night the patrons of course you're watching it live if you're in here or if you're not then you're either seeing this on friday or listening to it on the audio podcast but i hope everybody's doing well adam week one baby you gotta reach out and get that light
1: yes sir (laughs) gotta (laughs) get it man gotta get it I'm excited, man. Week one's in the books. Talk to me, man. Um, how, how are you feeling about your teams, about your squads, and about week one as a whole? And anything that really stands out to you, as far as like completely shocked, much. or is this uh, kind of uh, you know we're yeah. we're we're used to seeing variance and craziness now?
2: Yeah, we're we're kind of used to it, and, and nothing really shocks me. You know, teams that you expect to win, you're like, man, how the hell did three of these studs just not do anything? And then you got teams that you don't expect to win, and all of a sudden you're going. How the hell did this team win a game?
1: <laughs> right, I'm
2: supposed to be tanking, bro. Like, what the fuck is this? So yeah, I don't, I don't put too much stock into it. Now we get to week two, week three. All right, now we really start to take into account like how this fantasy season is going to be shaken out. But I think the wildest thing is, uh, is always those those week one waivers, right? I, I should say week two waivers heading into week two. Jesus, man. Everybody dropping people left and right. There's dudes you're like, this dude's dead. I don't want him. <laughs> you know. Like, I could talk up all how, how great I felt about Ronnie, Bar- uh, Ronnie Bell on all my best ball rosters. And, you know, after week one, you're like, nah, forget you. <laughs> Hit the waivers, boy.
1: You got uh, <laughs> to get
2: somebody uh, you, in here to score points.
1: You know, I, I have a feeling you'll find a nice home. It's just not going to be here anymore. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not at South Harmon. Yeah, <laughs> we, we uh, didn't welcome Roddy Bell into South Harmon. I'm sorry.
1: I'm with you, man. So you got especially in best ball, which we play a lot of dynasty degenerates. You know, we play a lot of best ball over here. All these spots are precious. Um, I I think for me, Mike, um, one one of the things I I'm kind of most intrigued by is not really week one because I'm used to like like we just talked about the variance as well as kind of overreaction. You know that's going to happen in spots. What I'm what I'm actually really interested in, and I'm not going to say this is going to be what we're talking about today, but th- this is something I've kind of been really forward looking to, seeing how the community does it, because right now you, you don't even really have warp data, right? You just have a week's worth of data, right? But what I'm looking forward to is week three, week four, when people start to tell themselves a story that this is enough of a sample size now for warp, and, tr- and almost in, right now you have all the Warp data from 22 we've been going off of, right? And yep. that's been the case for so long. And you see people that are really buying into this narrative of Warp and how you can use it for roster construction. Not that it's a bad thing, but I think there's going to be case, Mike, here in the next three weeks or so where you see people wanting to do the right thing with Warp, but the, the data is not quite big enough to where you can make some bad bets, I think. So That that's one of the things I'm looking forward to early in the year.
2: I think there's some things like I've been looking at it, you know, just from a generic standpoint, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not getting too league specific yet uh, because like you said, uh, I, I need a couple weeks, right? I need a couple weeks of a nice average, and then I can start to make some conclusions or some, some plays that I want to make. But uh, something that stuck, stuck out to me right away, man, um, and we kind of knew it just with the way what happened in week one for the tight end position. But, you know, for your lineup leagues, man, this whole F them tight end strategy paying off big time, right? Right out of the gate. That warp line is so far below everything else, you know, just for your your standard like half point tight end premium in a lineup league. Like for those type of leagues. I mean, you you got you got guys out here just absolutely killing it as far as a warp goes that shouldn't be. Right That, that absolutely shouldn't be up there. And you're going, yeah, you know exactly what koopa was talking about when we did the a-warp show was like force yourself into starting the hayden Hursts of the world force yourself into starting the hunter henry's of the world the donald Parhams of the world actually a positive a-warp like very 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 positive a-warp player so force yourself into starting those dudes and uh you're gonna reap the benefits the rewards so i really like it um I would say that there's some interesting ones, like some interesting numbers. I know I was talking with you about it the uh, the other night, where it was we're we're looking at uh the highest warp players on the week for a warp, and uh you know of course Tyreek Hill, just absolute monster of a game. You know a warp wise, if you just look at a you know generic if if you're on the warp tool though the mind warp twelve by ten twenty five PPR lineup league, Tyreek Hill won you three. Or point three eight four games, <laughs> right? By, by far and away, just leading the pack for the week as far as a warp advantage. But number two, Adam, our boy Ayukin, Brandon Ayukin, coming yeah, in man. at point two eight six. Let's go and and just think about that. It just I know these are numbers, and like we said, they're going to average out. But doubling up won Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in a super flex league, think about that for a second. So, <laughs> other than that, though, well, uh, tight ends I'll- booty cheeks.
1: I was going to say, though, uh, what's interesting about the Tyreek Hill point, And to, to the tight end point, uh, it will be separate. I'm going to make a comment about. Dynasty Jennings, think about this. Like Tyreek Hill, right, going into the year, said the goal is 2,000 yards. And right or wrong, a lot of people were kind of saying, oh, man, that's just way too bullish. You're, you're being crazy here with this goal, right? After one week, Mike, he's on pace for 3,500 yards. And not just that. You talk about warp. Just to give you – those of you that don't, you know, at home, you're driving wherever you are. You're not access to a calculator. You don't quick math isn't really very easy. Mike, the warp you gave for that week across a 17 week season is
2: 6.5. Mm.
1: Mm. Um. So to give you an idea of how much that actually dropped a hammer, like if you had if you had Tyree Kill on your team, there's a like you're, you're the rest of your team would have to be. Like, either very, very unlucky, hit injuries, or pretty poorly built to not have a very good chance of winning this week. He went that bananas, right? Like, he had a unbelievable week, and then Ayuk, to your point, had a great one. Tight ends, uh, I, I'm very interested to see when Kelsey and um, Andrews are back, what this looks like. But, to your point, man, yeah, the the tight end position after week one, it's one week, so... Don't get too carried away, but I will say, like the the point that we're making about Awarp and showing you that tight ends in most formats don't matter. This is why, like Hunter Henry's the the tight end one, and a lot of the tight ends that were in the top ten yep. don't carry any dynasty weight, right?
2: Nope. Uh, the The good thing too, like uh, T.J. Hawkins is kind of a darling. He's a darling of mine, right? But he was a darling in the community where you know people were like, "This could be the tight end two. This could be the tight end one." You know, people were thinking that. If you look at A warp, he comes in as the number one tight end, but it's .081 wins over a replacement player. But you gotta remember when we're looking at A warp, I'm even putting this on medium roster efficiency to try to expand the scope of how many people potentially could be started on the start data, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not doing super strict, I'm not doing that. But even if I do medium, which is like a, I'm making a lot of concessions as far as startable tight ends, Adam. <laughs> number one, point zero eight one. Like for reference. That was about the same as, you know, the shitty ass game Josh Allen gave you in Superflex. Right. Think about how bad that game was and how pissed people are. Uh how about wide receivers? Cortland Sutton, kind of a difference maker. Woo! Oh, baby, hold me up. <laughs> hold me up in Awarp. I'm fucking I'm i doing backflips for Cortland Sutton or uh Raheem Mostert. At running back position, Adam, so not that great. And then the crazy thing is, if you he, he's the number one tight end as far as a warp concerned, but if you go to true warp, Hunter Henry number one, Hayden Hurst number two, TJ Hawkinson would to come in till number three. And there's actually a pretty significant drop off in true warp. He's point zero four five, almost cut in half. Hayden Hurst jumps up to point zero nine, and Hunter Henry point one. So. Yeah, uh, we'll put one in the record books, one in the win column. We'll see how it goes next week with these big-name tight ends back. But as far as week one goes for the tight end position, uh, the the plan is working. The plan yeah. of FD's tight ends in lineup leagues, sell them all. <laughs> sell them all, Force yourself to start the Krusties, the Hayden Hurst. I mean, geez, Adam, even in the true warp graph, like it almost disgusting to think that Blake Bell is a positive warp tight end seven. In warp on the week right? with point zero one five. Now, now think about that. If you're forced to it, what a win you got! <laughs> what an absolute win you got! And uh, Donald Parham, number four tight end in True Warp. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a victory lap. Well, I'm at least gonna stretch because I feel like this uh, this tight end approach in A Warp might be something for lineup leagues that I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna implement fully. Right, I got probably yeah. one two shots of guys that I really think are difference makers. After that. I don't want a single one of them. I'll trade them for whatever.
1: Yeah, I think the key is you know making sure you liquidate all the dynasty value. Try to put that value elsewhere. Yep. And then, I mean, the the one thing about it, I do think that could be problematic when you're having this low of tight ends, where like I think if you really are going to do this process, everybody listening, I, I think personally you have to almost get rid of all of them, even so that you're not. What you don't want to have to do is decide what week you're going to start any one of these guys versus any other guys, right? Like, right. almost just take it off to where you have one or two at the most. Like, you don't want decisions. You're just saying, I'm going to start this player week in and week out. Um, you can go to the waiver wire in the, in the playoffs if you need to. But the idea is basically you're taking out decisions and you're liquidating all the dynasty value. so you just keep starting that tight end. Um, not really caring as much as long as there's – options of them to catch the ball do things with opportunities there put them in the lineup get the dynasty value out of that position and elsewhere so I I think week one showed you why that could be huge Mike let me ask you this then Um, specifically on the points of like Brandon Ayuk going off um, Zay Flowers some of these receivers that people didn't really have pegged to have this type of a workload early obviously there's other ones that we did that we're thinking have a great workload but did not get that so um on the receivers like Iuk, like Zay Flowers, any, any thoughts there? Um, lineup best ball and then getting into the topic of the show today.
2: I think IUK is probably one in in lineup leagues that was a reasonable starter, even in, you know, maybe start ten formats, start eleven formats. Like start nine, I think he was probably still a reasonable option too, but now we're getting a little bit more uh a little bit more of that fine line for people in in their roster construction. But I would say anything for for most standard leagues in Dynasty. That was a dude you were definitely starting. So to see him explode in week one, uh, you know, Scott Connor always talks about capturing warp. Well, you probably captured all the warp with him. Now, I would say in start nine, there might be one or two people out there that was like, ah, Steelers defense, you know, I'm listening to the bullshit Mike's been spitting a Brock. Brock Purdy in his shitty-ass elbow, maybe in a start nine I got better options. Zay Flowers would be the interesting one because I see him in a lot of formats, even myself. Start 10, start 11, Zay Flowers wasn't in my lineup. One, because he's a rookie. Two, because it was like, do I really want to put this dude in there week one when I have no idea what he's going to do? So, as far as the AWARP perspective for lineup, yeah. Yeah, you probably missed on the Zay Flowers and capturing that one, but... Brandon Ayuk, I would say you probably definitely hit. And then of course the the beauty of best ball is I'm gonna capture it all. <laughs> I'm gonna capture it all. And the good and the bad. And this week was a bunch of good from those guys. So that that really helped. Um the the Tyreek Tua stack all over the place. If you've got that. Uh, like some of my I I had to check Adam too. I had to check some of my underdog best ball teams just week one. Just for the kick in the balls to see how bad subo were doing, but I was actually pleasantly surprised that a lot of them had Tyreek and Tua stacks. And I'm going, "Oh, <laughs> oh, well, we started off very well. <laughs> we did a OK week one." So
1: yeah, I have a few of those stacks in uh, in best ball dynasty t- dynasty squads. I think I have it three yeah. times. That th- those are just like man, um, I'm glad I did not move off of Tua. Well, there was a lot of stuff around Tua all off season. Um, he's kind of feels like especially after week one, regain some of the dynasty value and hype. But uh, a lot of the concussion scariness ever since, you know, not finishing the year strong for him. Um, but, but let me ask you this. Specifically after this week, going into week two, what's top of mind? W- w- what do you want to discuss here and uh, strategies or things that are really sticking out to you and you want to try to apply other than just the tight end and the A-warp thing?
2: Uh, just one more thing I wanted to, before we, we transition okay. to something else. Cause my that, bad. bad, my bad. Well, no, it just uh, kind of while we're on the topic of Warp and, and a little bit of a, a week one recap and some thoughts. Adam, I would say this. Uh, that, that shit IDP 101 league that we started, got to be one of my favorite leagues that I'm in this year, just from week one, because it was so wild. TJ Watts scored 80 points in that league. Josh Allen, not the, the defensive end Josh Allen, not the, the quarterback. He's at like 70 You're seeing uh, some of these uh, safeties, you know, at 50, 60 points, like some of these linebackers just racking up tackles all over the field. And it being a best ball, like people not having to make decisions and these end-of-the-bench guys that you were drafting defensive just having monster weeks. Adam, my team in that league is is devoid of offense, okay? It's it's Ceedee Lamb and a bunch of shitters, <laughs> and that's the cold hard truth. Like, I don't remember who entered my receiver position, but it's like Alan Lazard and like some of these guys that didn't even have good games. But I'm sitting there, and I damn near scored 600 points with all the starters we had with the defense. And then I pull up the warp graph on it. And uh, lo and behold, TJ Watt on my team, number one war player in the entire league for the week, right? So this IDP with his juice scoring, I thought it was uh, it brought some excitement to the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. And especially because they score so much, Adam, like sacks and interceptions are worth a ton. And sitting there watching the game on Sunday, it gave me something else to root for. And, you know, once I, I realized, I p- kind of put it on the back burner after we did the draft, right? And kind of was just out of sight, out of mind Once I realized and and looked at the score And like the league chats pop it off And I start looking at the players Now I'm invested on both sides of the ball So when NFL Red Zone's out there showing plays I don't just give a shit about the offensive side of the ball When somebody scores a touchdown This made defense exciting Because every time T.J. Watt would put Brock Purdy on his ass I'm like, six points baby, let's go (laughs) Six points plus I get to sack yards the whole thing So it's kind of like watching a, a long touchdown or, uh, you know, when I think I got Jesse Bates right from the Falcons. And every time he pick pick off a pass, I'm going, oh, yeah, let's go. Uh, the the uh, the Monday night game, right? Trying to play catch up, I needed, like, 40, 50 points. I don't remember what the fuck it was at one point. But Jordan Whitehead, also on a team, out there getting picks from Josh Allen. And every time he does, I'm like, that's almost as good as, a, you know, C.D. Lane right. just took a 50-yard touchdown. Let's go. So I thought it was very interesting then to see the warp data on it. And see how that league's set up. I'd be very interested to see just a generic IDP, you know, with what they call one, two, three scoring, and how that looks compared on the warp, and, and really see how much defense matters. But this one with juice scoring, I can definitely tell you matters. And if you're a team that uh, that passed on on defense in the draft, R.I.P. to you, because these guys really do produce points, and they'll, they'll hit some massive spike weeks now i'm not saying my strategy of uh zero offense is gonna work either but <laughs> we're gonna find out at least i was competitive week one with baker fucking mayfield so yeah i thought that warp observation was very good when i was going through it like oh shit these dudes actually do matter
1: well i mean it'll be interesting for me to see because i think you have those uh in that format right so this is a uh, juice scoring to the defensive pos- positions if they make huge plays right so uh, you think deep defensive ends coming around, making sacks, you know, fumble recoveries, fumbles forced, touchdowns. Th- those type of things, I think, in best ball this format, y- you're going to be looking at some of those guys. I mean, if you have a combination of two high-end defensive scorers to the point like they're competing on a on a per-game basis, not necessarily per-game, but every week they have a chance to score as much as a Patrick Mahomes, right? So just think what that can mean to your lineup. I'll be very interested to see, though, how – That does for you when it's um more you have the big the full season because I I think you're gonna have some weeks where you are probably beating everybody out there in points literally the whole field but then you're gonna have some weeks where it's like it's gonna be feast or famine let's call it that I think and how how much feast and how much famine I'm kind of interested because week one man it panned out for you I mean those you had some huge huge scores on the defensive side of the ball It was crazy to watch
2: yeah, I think it's something too. Uh, they, they were kind of talking in the league chat. I definitely want to do a few more of these leagues th- because I, I'm telling you, it's not just the the league is fun to be in, but the the fact that uh, Sunday watching football, like you have something else to root for, and you have something else to root for in a big way. Like it kind of changes your yeah in the in the in the
1: fans in the fantasy lens too, not just like you know yeah. your yep. your yep. team or who you're betting on. You're, yeah, you're invested.
2: Right, I'm watching NFL Red Zone. If the Eagles aren't making a defensive play, um, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, I go, fuck, you know, this dude yeah. just threw a pick or, you know, right. this guy fumbled the ball. Damn it, you know, go to the next game. I don't, I don't want to watch this shit no more. You know, right. go on to the next one. So, and kind of the same thing too because, uh, you know, like there's return yards in this league. There's there's big points for special teams plays and tackles. So, like, all that stuff really matters. So, it would kind of be interested if we actually did get the – uh what they used to make fun of NFL punt zone. <laughs> Let's get that. We need that channel. I need to watch these special teams plays.
1: I love it, man. Um, all right. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a, a super fun league. I, my team, I'm very worried about in that. Um, and I'm very interested to see how the rebuilds go because valuing the, both of them will be interesting, but I, I love the league too. It's gonna be fun.
2: I got a, I got a couple questions in for, for week one going forward too. we, you know, AMAs, when we do it, we don't have a whole lot of time because we're asking a bunch of, uh, we're getting asked a bunch of questions and we got to get the people what they want. But on this Dynasty podcast, right, we get to uh, you know, you put yourself on mute. Give me, give me a to, mini you
1: know, spotlight series here. You know, give me a couple of questions. I like this.
2: <laughs> Let's go. Uh, your outlook for, for Zach Wilson for the rest of the season. I know people are out there talking about Tom Brady or Joe Flacco or their trade for Trey Lance. And, you know, all that shit's a fucking pipe dream. You know, it, it's done. Like Zach Wilson's the dude for the rest of the season as long as he doesn't absolutely completely shit the bed, which isn't unheard of, but for now, Zach Wilson's that guy. So what's your outlook for him? Uh, lineup leagues, I imagine you probably don't have too much interest, but in these basketball leagues, do you have interest in, uh, you know, maybe getting some Zach Wilson on your team?
1: I would say um, mildly, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not like – I'm not going to say no. I mean, any quarterback in best ball, right, with roster construction on most of the best ball teams I'm in, we're talking four or five is almost universally, unless it's one of these scoring formats where wide receivers, running backs, the skill players catch up to them so much more, and you're looking at warp, and you're like, man, the, outside of the top 12, like, they're all kind of replaceable. So outside of that, of course, I mean, you want four or five quarterbacks. There are there are plenty that I have four or five, but Mike. Some of these ones we just drafted or have been around for one year. I don't have four or five legit quarterbacks. Of course, I want yeah. some Zach Wilson. Um, I do think, though, the point of him being for sure locked in as the starter for the year. Like I, I think he has the opportunity to do that. Like as of right now, if he goes in and plays well, you get rid of some of the childish behavior. He owns up to when he's playing bad. If he, even when he plays bad, if he can just approach it more like a true professional and have some up and down weeks, I think he could very well be the starter. I think, though, it's not a sure thing that he's locked in because, I mean, i I just you see the face of Salah, and two things are there for me. Obviously, one, you just got Aaron Rodgers there. He's super excited. You didn't even get to see any of it happen. That's part of it. But Mm -hmm. the other thing is there was a lot of – what do you want to call it here? Uh, Trying to be nice. He really kind of was – Despise Zach Wilson a lot last year, so I think if he's matured, I think there's a chance he can earn the job. But I do think realistically, if he doesn't, if he has some of these bad weeks, uh, there, there's no guarantee he keeps the job. But if you have Zach Wilson shares, whether you just got them, whether you um, were holding on to them, like honestly, it was probably a, a poor idea holding on to Zach Wilson too long in best ball, not knowing Aaron Rodgers' injury is going to come. But not w- whether you did or not. Now, if you have them, I mean, this is. In best ball especially, this is the best-case scenario for your Zach Wilson shares. Like so, He's on the field. He has a chance to play yeah. on a very good offense and a good defensive team.
2: So the the, the weird thing about it, too, is people talk about Zach Wilson, too. And I saw all the things about, like, could they do this? Could they do this? Could they mm-hmm. do this? A lot of those, like, you can just flat-out go, no. Like, they can't, right? Like, I, I saw the Matt Stafford thing. Like, could could they possibly trade for Matt Stafford? With what fucking money?
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, if the Rams well, decide to eat most of it, but yeah, it's not likely. You just took on a
2: quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and I know you restructured the deal, but you're still paying him a shit ton of money, and a lot of that was up front, right? Your cap mm-hmm. hit for him is pretty big. So it's like, where are you going to go that's going to be we, – we just got done talking about warp. Where are you going to go that's going to be a positional advantage or a warp advantage over Zach Wilson that you can actually afford? You know what I mean? Like, where is that actually going to come from? You know, to well, go win you ball games. So that's why I say, like, he's almost locked in because they don't have a lot of options, man. You pretty well, much just got to put it in there. Otherwise, you're bringing in other shitters on the same talent level to try to compete and hope they pick up the offense fast enough. They gel in the locker room and they actually provide you value over what Zach Wilson would do.
1: Sure. I mean, well, I think one thing to keep in mind um is that the look at the New Orleans Saints. Look at, like, the cap is a myth in a way. If, if if Salah if these guys decide hey now we're going to go now Matthew Stafford to your point like if if you're talking about acquiring a quarterback that has a significant contract that's a little different cuz that's moving a lot of pieces but if they decide hey there's a quarterback out there that's by the time the trade goes through we're going to have to put 10 million on the books th- they're going to restructure three players deals and make that thing happen man like that that yep. won't get in the way of something like that to your point though if it's Stafford and they have to take on a heavy amount of the money they are not up they're, they're up against the cap a little bit so like they can finesse that if they wanted to um to your point though they they have to really do an assessment and internal discussion of right now like what do we do do we have this kid we drafted him at this point like he actually you know didn't look great but I had he he didn't do terrible I'll say that in the last uh, Monday night game do we want to see what we have here and what if we don't like, what are we gonna do at the quarterback position? The solution isn't clear and obvious. So, I think for right now, the opportunity in front of Zach Wilson is great because there was a scenario where if and Rodgers plays all year very well, like he's sitting out, um, you know, on the sideline, and this this is, I think, the best case scenario for Wilson. If you have him in best ball, Mike, like if, I mean, I don't know what what better you could hope for right now. Like, this right. is the best but, case scenario for Zach yeah. Wilson, and if you yeah. held on to hope with him, this is. Everything you wanted,
2: guilty as charged, <laughs> guilty as charged, but not because I thought Aaron Rodgers is tearing his Achilles was getting sure. You just didn't I want just to knew- cut bait, right? Listen, my thing was with that draft capital. You know, you're the number two overall pick. I don't care what they do right now with Aaron Rodgers, and they're trying to win. Like Zach Wilson was getting a shot to start somewhere, some some other time. Like it was guaranteed, it was happening. Like he wasn't Jamarcus Russell. He wasn't somebody with a bunch of legal trouble who's going to be out of the, the league. And I know people throw out the fucking Josh Rosen thing all the time, but completely different fucking circumstance when you change entire regimes. This isn't their dude. They didn't fucking draft him. They got no ties to him. He's the 10th pick, not the second overall pick. Gets shipped to Miami, and he did get an opportunity to play in Miami. Let's not forget, he just wasn't very fucking good. Sure. Like, Zach Wilson was getting another shot. It's just a matter of whether or not he capitalized on it. So. I'm happy Zach Wilson gets a shot. It just sucks that it came at the expense of Aaron Rodgers, um, Adam. So next point, because it's uh, it's Zach Wilson. Let me ask you this: you're you were the biggest pusher on this show of Garrett Wilson, like biggest pusher of Garrett Wilson. What's his outlook now? Of the two of forward? us,
1: absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. On the show, I like that. You know, I, just, I like to make clarity. Like, there's two right. of us. <laughs> Didn't go against the the entire streets. Uh, what's it look like now for him? His outlook for the season? Yeah yeah um i mean if you got garrett wilson you, you certainly hope that um there's real talks that they're acquiring some other quarterback because i think he goes from somebody with with rogers you're you're projecting and wish casting right but i think there was a you know top 12 potential i'm not going to go top three top five but i think there was a top 12 finish potentially in the cards um, you, you saw even with Wilson him make, I mean, everyone's going crazy about that catch in the end zone, uh, which was awesome by the way, but you look at the frame of the game and the body of work he had the opportunity and you you should be a little bit shit in your pants probably with what you've acquired Garrett Wilson for recently. If you did that, yep. um, I'd say that right now, if Zach Wilson's a quarterback for the rest of the season, you're looking at a, a wide receiver too. Um, frankly, like that's, mm. I don't, I don't think. I personally don't see tremendous upside with Zach Wilson, um, so it's it's definitely arrowed down. I mean, I don't that that's my for the season. I don't I don't think I'm taking him. Dra- I'm not going to give him drastic dip in value as far as long term dynasty. But even in that, when you think about what the long term dynasty is baking in, it's this season, and I think for this season, it's not what we are hoping for at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a time he's pushing for you know, wide receiver three, if not wide receiver three. You he know, a was in the conversation
1: think, all last, you know, a couple months and a lot of people had him at three, right?
2: Yeah, I think uh I think the uh the fine people over at Keep Trade Cuts website had him at three for a while. Adam, this was uh like this was one of the things that I had hesitation about with Garrett Wilson, right? Just moving him up as high, like the hype where it was going. Like Roger like on. Rogers
1: being hurt was part of it?
2: Not just that. Um not not just, I mean, that's a hard one to future cast, but we were pushing up a guy who we hadn't seen it from. Like, we've seen spurts, and there were some things we like, but most of it was built on hype. It was built off of, you know, hard knocks. It's built off of, you know, a route in the preseason where he runs, and he goes, oh, this is going to be Devontae Adams all over again. Adam, like, the biggest difference is, you know, say, say for example, it's CeeDee Lamb at three. We're talking about CeeDee Lamb as the dynasty wide receiver three. What have I well, actually seen? Do you seen? know who
1: Keep Trey Cut has today?
2: Oh, Amon Rob, baby. Let's just go. Wanna, just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. But like CD Lamb at three, Adam. Like, I've seen CD Lamb with Cooper fucking Rush, like, still put up massive amounts of fantasy points. We didn't really see that last year with Garrett Wilson. One, it was his rookie year, so I don't think anybody really expected it. But still, like, CD Lamb has something on wax. Like, he has something on paper. You can go back and you can go. We've got really good fantasy seasons out of CeeDee Lamb, and we've got good fantasy production out of CeeDee Lamb with bad quarterbacks. We've never seen that really with Garrett Wilson, partly because it's one year. But most of it was just built up on hype and future casting and projections, not on actual production. And that was well, the biggest problem I had with the Garrett Wilson thing the whole time. Like, he's jumping Tyreek Hill. He's jumping Amonra. He's jumping CeeDee Lamb. He's jumping, you know, Stefan Diggs, for example. And I didn't understand why we were doing it. When we've well, we I mean, seen basically the same out of Chris Olave, and and people weren't ever elevating Chris Olave to that type of, of of territory, which was confusing.
1: Gotcha. Well, I mean, I would say um, to the point. I think what we did not see from Garrett Wilson in year one, which then makes his um, you know warp or you know points per game where it was, which is more like a wide receiver twenty five, right? It was incredibly inconsistent. But, like, t- to be fair, I mean, he had a horrible quarterback situation, and we saw 102 yards and two touchdowns from the kid. Like, we had we had a plenty of points, and I think one thing to remember is Garrett Wilson's season as a rookie, right, 1,103 yards, four touchdowns, is two touchdowns shy of CeeDee Lamb's sophomore season and more yards. So... Like what C.D. Lamb had put on wax for his first two seasons, Garrett Wilson had matched with terrible quarterback play, and C.D. Lamb did have the opportunity to play with Dak Prescott, albeit not the whole time, but a lot of his starting point of his you know career. I think the thing with Garrett Wilson is, you look at a guy that has 1,100 yards in his rookie season with that type of quarterback play, drawing 150 targets, like you can you can definitely project, and I don't think that's crazy in fantasy or in dynasty to say this guy has a lot of the traits, he earned the targets, he did have a very good rookie season to make a leap. Now, part of the problem with Dynasty, and this is just overall, like forget Garrett Wilson for a second. When you're talking about an asset like that, where we're putting that type of projection, this type of a prospect profile, and we say, okay, this is 23-year-old guy getting a new quarterback, you're already looking at a, a person and a, and a player because we like the profile, we like the name, and in Dynasty, everyone wants to chase the youth where that's going to go to the stratosphere. So to get him to three, I think that was where, like, th- this is where we talk about tearing down because for him to for him to hit three, he's going to have to end up being Jamar Chase and uh, Jeff- Justin Jefferson light. He's not going to have to be, you know, CeeDee Lamb. He's going to have to be those guys, uh, even a light version of them, maybe not quite as good. So that's where, I mean, putting him at three, um, is tough because, like, honestly, he has to hit all cylinders to keep that. So that, that's where, to your point, I totally understand it's tough. The one thing that also to remember about him being three is three is kind of this unclaimed thing that sounds sexier than it is, right? Like right. There is a very, very big gap between one and two and whatever and whoever you put at three because the profiles aren't as great and what they've done this early in their, their careers, like Justin Jefferson and Chase have, Th- th- those guys are on – I just want people to understand this. Dynasty Jenner, think about this. These guys are on pace, and what they've done this early in their career, especially Jefferson, is destroy the entire NFL's history. Like Jerry Rice type stuff is in the range of outcomes if he plays this well. Just understand this is how ridiculous those two guys are and why three sounds so much different, I think, than what it actually means. It's trying to find this person to claim whatever that you know bronze tr- medal is.
2: I saw I saw a, a, a post about Justin Jefferson too that was just kind of in, in jest, but it was I thought it was hilarious. It was uh, Justin Jefferson needs 85 more yards to be the all-time leading wide receiver in Bears history. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> just throwing jabs at the Bears <laughs> like this is the best you can do. Justin Jefferson's only been in the league four years and he's about to kill
1: y'all. <laughs> Fizzle put on here too that uh you know CD had Amari Cooper taking a lot of the work early in his career. Wilson's the clear one from day one. Yeah, and none of that was a a knock on CD Lamb and his he had a, fa- a fabulous start. My point is just that, you know, Garrett Wilson's rookie season, while it didn't matter per say in fantasy, um I think that there's a lot of sticky stuff there that you can I can understand why people project that high, but to your point, man, it's uh the the problem when you put him that high or you you acquire him there, you draft him in a startup, you trade for him at those type of values, there's no room for error. You and there's no on, room right? for this, right? Like right. This is scary season for Garrett Wilson. I think he's still going to stay very high in dynasty value, even if he doesn't have a you know bona fide top ten wide receiver season. Because there's going to be baked in excuses. But this is the this is the problem for him all along was the quarterback play. We thought we found it, and it turns out it never really came. Right um, to your point about Chris Olave. Now, like Derek Carr is not a a world beater quarterback. I'll say, but he's 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 above average and. I think sometimes people don't quite give him enough credit there. Correct. And yep. um, like that was always why, like, I mean, it was amazing watching that game for me. You know, I, I thought Shahid was a little bit of a value in best ball because like, look what happens. Derek Carr is trying to find this guy. Derek Carr's always had an affinity to throw the ball down the field. Right. Um, so, and in, in, in him and, you know, Shahid and Alave are profiting from it. I think you're looking at right now, Alave and Garrett Wilson, Mike, they're neck and neck. And I think the case has always been that they're very close. I've just leaned Garrett Wilson from production from quarterback play, and at this point, you're looking at a guy right now, Mike, that is up three spots on keep trade cut with Chris Olave, and he's technically outside the tier. But I would not be shocked to see a making those two in the same tier, and, and even Chris Olave flipping um, above Garrett Wilson at some point this season, given the circumstances.
2: Yeah, let me let me preface it with the fact that I know it's the Titans' defense. Right, it's the Titans' secondary, specifically, which Oof, is RIP. hot garbage. Right? We don't like a
1: lot of those in the uh, shit IDP League, you know?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. No, you don't really want too many of those players. Even though uh, my Iowa guy, uh, Monty Hooker, made a hell of a play on that opening kickoff. Sure did. Ripping that ball right out of the dude's hands, which was incredible. But uh, Alave tore him a new asshole, right? Ten targets eight catches 112 yards didn't score which you know if he puts a touchdown on there too like people really losing their shit this week for chris Olave. but you're right Rashid shaheed heavily heavily involved and i'm kind of impressed not impressed with the jersey number uh 22 is a horrible horrible wide receiver number please don't ever do that again (laughs) go back to what was he last year 88 or something like do that yeah 80 something 81 i don't care pick a number in the 80s Pick a number in the teens. I wanting to say
1: 89. Um, I'm going to pull it up while you keep talking about. I think it might have been 89.
2: It feels like 89. Yeah. Uh, 22 is disgusting. But uh, Michael Thomas, too. Welcome back. Welcome back, MT. Now, Adam. 89, was it? Yeah. Good guess. Good guess, buddy. I like it. You got that steel trap up there.
1: Yeah. You see a number and a weird (laughs) one like that. You know, you get weirder, go to 22.
2: Michael Thomas, though, welcome back to him too. But uh, sure. the general point is that that offense kind of impressed me just with how they were moving the football, how Derek Carr looked, how comfortable he looked. Maybe it was a good thing they got John Gruden. And Remember he came in as a consultant there in the off season, so maybe it was good. Got a little bond. Rookie. I always thought Gruden. I always saw Gruden hated Carr too, right? Hard knocks. <laughs> like, didn't it seem like, like he hated it. definitely it.
1: felt like it. I mean, I don't. I don't know how you infer anything other than that. But
2: like Carr's doing everything possible to win him over. And, Groen's like, nah, get the fuck out of here.
1: Mm-hmm. You want you. Want Adam, I would say this.
2: I would say this with the Garrett Wilson thing, though. Like, kind of where we're at, and and say this, say this really happens for Chris Olave after this season. Maybe he doesn't go out and do like 1, 1,400 yards. You know, and he's not a, uh, you know, an, an, a wide receiver one. Let's just say he's like on the fringe. Maybe he's like 19, 20. Could happen, right? if one of these receivers like this with this kind of youth, then people will start propelling them back up, just like we did with Garrett Wilson. If they start approaching this wide receiver four, wide receiver three, is this almost an automatic sell for you? Where, like, you're like, I need to get out of this just to de-risk myself. Like, is that the strategy that we should be in? I know we do it with running backs. We did it with Kenneth Walker <laughs> last year. But we never really talked about doing it with wide receivers where it's almost automatic, like where you need to because – like you said, if he's at three, how much more upside you got, right? Like I know there's a gap between the two, but really, how much more do you have to go? Like how much are you actually missing out on even if he does make that jump?
1: So l- let me say this, um, and this is actually, I think this question is a good one for a topic of I think sometimes we have to understand. And as the game evolves, and I mean, what I mean by that is fantasy. As is, is the average dynasty manager, um, like we we use the word they're they're smarter. I, I, they are. They're more informed. There's a lot more places yeah. to consume content. There's a lot more um, proven data points. Right. We're using a lot more numbers and things to say this is why you should be doing X. And because of that process, Mike, I think the. Um, you know, the old days of just going out there and making, you know, eight trades in a startup. And then, you know, you look in two years in, you're like, holy hell, what did this person do? Not that it doesn't exist out there, but it's it's a lot fewer and far between where you're just getting, you know, absolute smash deal after smash deal after smash deal. And the league doesn't know what's happening. The reason I bring that up is I think we have to start understanding in this idea of the average person smarter what are things to kind of, in my opinion, sell the the, the narrative of? Like, don't buy this narrative, right? Um, fade, fade the noise. And I think, for example, like we talked about Kenneth Walker was the theoretical running back one in Dynasty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're talking about, you know, if Chris Olave hits wide receiver four, wide receiver three, uh, Garrett Wilson, either one of them, right? <clears throat> either one of these guys, like, cements themselves there. Yeah. But what does that mean? Because I think realistically for me and just knowing how I play in a lot of best ball. Right. And the reason I would like to sell someone like that is, Hey, at this point you're saying you get to the wide receiver four, three range. Like there's going to be some, there's going to be so many people that want to buy. Right. And you're going to say, all right, yeah, you should be trading out of him out of hit This player here, Chris Olave, let's say is the example, because you in theory should be able to go down and get a tier down and you pick up Brandon Iuke. Right. And you can get a plus that means enough where I'm like, yeah, I'm interested. So I get that. But now, if we, the reason I want to talk about this with the theoretical, like running back one or wide receiver three or four, like if you look at key trade cut, and I think this is a, I think key trade cut is a dangerous place depending on what information you're consuming. Let me just say that right. Dynasty DeGeneres, before I put this out there, what kind, exactly with the specifics of the information you're consuming here can be dangerous. For example, before tra- we get a, before
2: yeah. we get accused of being amateurs yeah. for not consulting. Trade calculators. Well, I was just going to say the
1: one reason, I, one of the things I think you got to be extremely careful of is their trade calculator has this value. Uh, what do they call that? There's a value, value adjustment, adjustment. Value yes. adjustment. And it's so value bullshit. It's so arbitrary, but it's also baked in. It, it basically speaks to me what that's doing is if you have a player like Alave, right? And you're trying to trade down, it's going to bake in a bunch of extra value to that side because he's such a better asset. And that really speaks to the lineup lens of trading. So. Like When I, when you make a best ball trade, that's something you shouldn't really be doing. My point here is, getting to this, when you look at the keep trade cut values, okay, so they do player values and it's based on an algorithm of, of when people are putting in, you know, their, their keep trade cut literally is what they're doing, right? And they take all these data points. If you look at what, right now, 7,400 is what the value currently is for an Amanara St. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, and Garrett Wilson. They're all within a hundred points of each other, right? Yep. Then you look at the next tier, it's sixty eight to sixty seven hundred. The next tier, sixty-three hundred. Just understand that's that's the top ten receivers right there, right? Yep. Now if you look at what Justin Jefferson is, it's it's basically 10K. Okay, so 10K versus a seven, right? Like, it's those, they're saying those receivers are roughly seven. I'm in Ross St. Brown, CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson. They're saying it's roughly 70% of what Justin Jefferson is. And I think, Mike, as crazy as you may think that is, I think a lot of times that's actually the truth. And it might not even be speaking to the full nature of how different people view Jefferson. So when someone gets this wide receiver three, yes, I would like to sell. And to the point we know why, like I want to tear down. I want to go collect value and get off of him because it's, this is probably reaching a peak. But the problem is one, I don't know what I can actually get just because he becomes three, right? Like, does that actually mean because this happens that I can get a tear down play, a tear down of a player in a first or a two first or whatever? Can can I actually make that happen in my leagues? A lot of times I found, like with with Kenneth Walker, again, that was theoretical. Nobody was paying anything for Kenneth Walker last year in the leagues I was in. I'm not going to say they never made a trade, but I mean, I played in, you know, 18, 20 leagues last year and I had like you and I both had a ton of Kenneth Walker and my trading of him didn't really happen because this theoretical running back one price isn't that much. So my point here is that, um, yes, if you get a player that is getting to a peak point in value I would like to move them, but one, is it actionable in your leagues? And two, I think the difference is even if we say someone's a clear three at wide receiver, I think that argument, like that's been a hot topic. Who's the next one who's coming up. I don't think it really matters currently because I think the market is going to tell you that three and 10 don't have much of a price difference when you go to a trade. So that's where in theory, yes, I want to pivot off of Lave at a peak, but I don't know right now the way the game's played that that means shit. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. I think you you hit on something with the uh, theoretical value, like you could be Garrett Wilson and be – Garrett Wilson's an interesting one, though, because I did see him go – I mean, we did so many trades, too, and we talked about this. I, I saw him going for damn near Jamar Chase prices some places, right? He's being thrown around like that kind of asset. So a little bit different. The fact that Amon-Ra is there right now, I can tell you, like now, this wide receiver three a lot different than wide receiver one or two, right? There's a big difference. Not Correct. not that Amon-Ra is a bad player, but you're not going to see damn near close to what Garrett Wilson was going for in well, the
1: offseason. And I'll tell you this much: um, Amon-Ra, right, is a guy we've been pounding the table for, and he's currently at three by key trade cut, and it, it yeah. feels like it's taken basically years of him proving people wrong because of draft capital, other weapons in the Correct. offense, all these things. But, Mike, here's the thing with him. Even now, I know when I see this on Keep Trade Cut, like I know in my heart of hearts, Amon Ross St. Brown ain't demanding this two first and a second type trade. Like, no. you know, it's, again, it's theoretical. So the difference with a Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave, though, is because they're young, because people really like the profiles of both, Olave may be a little shakier, but still a good one, but relative to Amon Ross, you know, Athletic profile; those are types that maybe you know you can get to a. They have a discussion to be closer to a chase value, but I, I just wanted to make that point because I think there's a lot yeah. of things I've been thinking of lately. um You know, and we get these hot topics. You know, he's a running back one and dynasty, the wide receiver three. They're fun discussions, but I think sometimes in actionable advice, you got to think about what does that really matter. You know,
2: I think for me, for actionable though, like I know Adam, like. M- if you want to talk about two firsts and a second, right, for for Garrett Wilson, if that was the, quote, unquote, wide receiver three prices.
1: Yeah, just just throw out a number, right?
2: Can I get anything close to two firsts in value? Can I get a, you know, you talked about it. There's not a lot of difference between wide receiver three, right, value-wise, and I'm sure as fuck telling you production-wise, there's not a lot of difference. There's not a lot of difference between wide receiver three and wide receiver 18, Adam. Like, there's just not. Can I get anybody in there and another first thrown on? Like, is that good enough for me to get off of wide receiver three prices? And I'm telling you, if somebody approaches that and they have the, I'm not saying Garrett Wilson's profile is bad, but I threw out some of the, like, we didn't really see it from a points per game consistency-wise. Like, you look at the total stats at the end of the year and you go, okay, that's fine. And then we compare it to other people, but then we also remember we got an extra fucking game we're playing now. Right sure. so you you inflate it just a little bit more. Sure. I look at it and I just like the the floor wasn't ever there. Like it wasn't ever there. It was a lot of projection, which I'm okay with because we project certain players, but it's usually at certain positions. I always have a hard time projecting things like quarterbacks and projecting things like wide receivers. Right? Because the elite quarterbacks are hard to get into that tier and when you do, like you're you're gold, you're solid gold. Wide receivers on the other hand, they're harder to pro- project because there's so many fucking good ones at him. Like Brandon Ayuk. We're just doing victory laps about how good he was. People didn't fucking like Brandon Ayuk a lot going into the season. <laughs> like they Some haven't like Brandon. Yeah, they haven't liked Brandon Ayuk for a while. And even now, like keep trade cut, like he's finally moving up. He's well, moved up Let's well, not
1: let's not go finally. Like th- he's at fifteen. This is this is very fair for him.
2: Well, he's been he's been moved up twenty spots in the last thirty days on Keep Trade Cut. That's, that's my point, lot.
1: right? And that's because he come off a huge week, right?
2: Right. Like he he's on the rise because of that. But he was kind of being disrespected. But production wise, Adam, there's just so many good wide receivers that have some youth going for them. They have a good offensive situation, but it's so hard to rank them. If I find the one that I don't really feel solid about, like I I'm like, okay, maybe we got some risk here. Like, everybody's got risk because of injury. It's fucking football. But if you've got some risk because you've never really done it, you've never really had that floor, like, I I may not get wide receiver three prizes, but I got wide receiver, quote-unquote, five prizes for Garrett Wilson, wide receiver eight prizes for Garrett Wilson, gone. And especially if you can just pivot to another one and get a draft pick on top. Like, that's a a no-brainer.
1: Okay, because I would say that would be probably part of the point I'm making here. It's it's a two-sided coin, right? There's one side which says wide receiver three looks like this, but it doesn't actually – you have this wide receiver three coin, right? Like you have this chip in theory. When you go to take it to the store, that ain't buying you what you think it is. That's my point about the currency difference, one. And then two, I think, because the average player is smarter. Mike, I, what I see a lot of times, even when they're peaking, and a lot of the leagues I'm playing in, in best ball especially – the and the first thing like forget the player it's it's nickel and diming your your ma- you're your maybe we the do top. away
2: with the and the first thing maybe as a dynasty community to still find that edge uh-huh. to find that edge the right process play is give me two seconds
1: well G- oh, give so me you're, saying, you're saying you're saying brand can two, brain seconds. two seconds okay but there there again mike and i don't even disagree with that but that's now going three assets for one which two are liquid right so my point to you is not that i'm not selling because i i've tried to make sure very clearly that like I would like to sell at a peak. My point is that to get the, the strat, the strategic edge, which is more assets coming your way when they're the correct types, right? That's ultimately, I, you can almost forego outside of elite quarterbacks. There's very few people, right? You can forego whatever name you think. We talked about this at length before I want multiple pieces, but there's a lot of times where the multiple pieces comes in forms of, you know, junk, like it's not very good and people will maybe send you a second. So now it's like Brandon Ayuk in a single second or Chris Olave is that wide receiver three price. And to me, like that's not, I'm not even saying you couldn't decide to take that deal if you really wanted to go the route of just getting value. But I think that's where for me, what I'm talking about here is, is yes. If you get a if you can tear down for, to a single first, in best ball where we're starting 12 people in this 30 roster spots you you could probably convince me to go lower than even brandon Iuk, mike I, the process makes sense we know that but a lot of people other people know that too so for me it's not it's it's finding the right deal and is that does that match wide receiver three prices that that's my point is connecting those two things not 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 that two seconds isn't the right player a single first isn't the right play it's more so what does that really look like in our leagues and what's the cutoff
2: i get you i get you I think it's just a, a matter of risk for me. Like and like you said, we play so much best ball. Like even the the two seconds might be a hard deal to get done because people mm-hmm. always do look at that one for three. But that's when you taking other other accounts trade strategies. You you throw some juice pieces in there. You know you know get something back that you like. You know well, now it's we... a it's a three for two or it's a, a four for three and and it looks more palatable to them. But the main deal centered around Garay. You can multiple picks.
1: Well, let's let's use some um some week 1 players and let's just give a couple different uh ideas and discussions and let's see what we think of uh, what it would might look like. So right now, Mike, let's say you were going to go and try to flip your Garrett Wilson for Brandon Ayuk and Jacoby Myers.
2: It'd be tough to do right now because Agreed. Garrett Wilson's on the way down, Brandon Ayuk's on the way up.
1: Now, and, and Jacoby Myers also is probably getting a lot more love than people thought.
2: Now, last week could you do that deal?
1: Sure. I I would be shocked if you couldn't.
2: Right. That's a much more valid. one.
1: Now, I want to do this in a process of discussing, I think, ways of trading now, too. I think this is a good way to tie this in because that's what you're going to see, right? All right. You know what I see? I've seen plenty of offers. People, you know, sending me DMs and texts all over the place. What do you think here? And it's Drake London for those two. Man, get bent. Like, this is, you know, like... That's obvious, and I think that's something to think about when you're trading, is right now, Mike, there's three assets on keep trade cut. One of the things I do like to pulse here is risers and fallers because and maybe not the small amounts, right? You're talking like no. Chris Olave's up it three wants. spots. I'm talking about guys that took a huge leap in value. Three receivers, Mike, are up 20-plus spots. Brandon Ayuk, Calvin Ridley, say flowers. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> You think that's because uh, Cody called him uh, Young Antonio Brown?
1: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Call God, you know. Um, I, but no, I think I think there's profile. There's reasons to like the profile. Ayuk has been an up and down story, but at one point a while ago now, people were varying on him, and you can start to see the reasons why they might be still. Yeah. Uh, Ridley is someone that's the age was concerning, but we've all seen him ball, and he went and did that. Say Flowers had a massive workload in his first game so but my point is now with this right Th- this topic of discussion is if you're going to go out and you want to try to get the absolute top dollar in current like yeah you know what's not going to happen a lot of times in best ball where everybody needs every player is you're going to get two guys that are see- like surging in value like that's why i started with that because yep. sometimes you got to be a little more crafty if you're going to try to get a deal like that done than just going, hey, I want your two assets that probably were wide receiver one and two in your lineup. And here you can have you know the the guy that has Zach Wilson throwing the ball all year. Like sometimes you can't just go about it that, I, I think in a teardown sense, Mike, that's where a lot of times people struggle is they try to shoot too high um, and just straight up two for ones or three for ones with surging assets. So right, th- that was the first part I wanted to talk about, where I think if we give two other names, you could probably get that deal done right now.
2: In reality, you should be going for the declining or whatever the opposite of surging. I don't know what the fuck that word is. Desurging.
1: <laughs> I like it. We're going to use that, Desurging. <laughs> I'm just
2: making shit up here as we go, but you want Falling. the fallers, I yeah, You, you go. want the fallers. You want the fallers. Like, like, could well, you get DJ Moore and QJ?
1: There you go. Um, Like, I think, could you make cases for... You know, a Pickens. Um, he might yep. be up a little bit, but I'm trying to think of guys who would definitely be down. DJ Moore is probably down. Drake um, Jake Jerry McCormis. Judy's. I mean, Trey Jerry on. Judy's way down because he's. You know, there's there's a lot of guys you could make here. Now, the here's the problem. Christian Kirk. Well, Christian Kirk. Can I tell you the problem with that though? Or well, maybe not for me, but I think the problem for everyone listening. This is, I think, this is going to turn into good discussion. So, um, Mike, I hope you're ready for you know a little bit over an hour here. But. The problem with all that is going to be, well, Christian Kirk, man, he's not. This is what happens. We use one week as like a biblical, it's the word. Like that's yeah. what happens. We we say Christian Kirk yeah. is written off. We say that Jerry Judy's hurt and never going to play ever again. Traylon, did you see Traylon Burks? The quarterback's I'm like, that is part of the problem though is if you were going off of week one's numbers and you look at who had great weeks and who had bad, you know, what's going to happen more weeks than not is there's all these players are going to have mediocre or bad weeks. There's not that many weeks where you have 20 guys popping off at a single position. No. So I think sometimes you gotta, you have to be willing to take players that don't have this gigantic value ascension surge. I mean, you want to talk about value, value ascension surge, Mike, I don't know if you've seen keep trade cut, if you keep scrolling, but on the first page, someone's up 120 spots. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Puka <Nakua. laughs>
1: Now if you want to talk about selling somebody, listen, you can tell me all day about selling Wilson, selling Alave. Yeah. You and I will not we we have we have kind of based our theories very similarly. We have a lot of similar processes. Tearing down from those receivers yeah. has always been the case. You know who you should be tearing off of right now? Is Puka Nakua. Unless yeah. unless again, Mike, the, the cost for him, like no one's actually paying I mean, I don't think anyone's paying wide receiver thirty six. If they are, I can promise you whatever that is. I he's got off my team. Yep. Because no you know, you know who's behind him: Christian Kirk, Hollywood Brown, Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson.
2: Yeah, I give you about thirty five more wide receivers. I think El- I Elijah Moore,
1: New Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, I don't have Tyler Lockett, Jacoby Myers, all after Puka in this. This is so. Anyway. But I think the point could, is though. Could you, could who, you are two, possibly, who are two who were two assets you could have gotten for those other that other receiver, Chris Olave or Wilson?
2: Uh, right now.
1: Yeah, like instead of going Could've. for Jacoby Myers and you know two guys, surgeon. Let's call it a co- Jacoby Myers and Brandon Ayuk, where it's a little more blatantly obvious. Like I want to give some opposing thoughts. Like who you could go for. You talked about DJ Moore, and I forget the second one.
2: Uh, I don't know who the hell did I say.
1: Quentin Johnson. Quentin CGI. Johnson. There you go. Yep. Guys yeah. like, guys like Terry McLaurin maybe, right? Um, yep. They're, they're, I think there's a lot of guys. Could you, it. go
2: ahead. I mean, it's going to be format dependent. I mean, we, we talk about context all the time. Lineups start nine, much different, like type of players that you want to actually roster.
1: Uh, right now I'm talking the best ball lens, but yeah, if we're going to switch, if we're going to switch best gears, ball, for sure. best
2: ball lens would open it up so much. And, and you talked about fallen players. I also like to target people that, you know, get shit on all the time, you know, we sit here and we argue about him all the time. Adam, I'll tell you right now Garrett Wilson for Debo Samuel and give me another, at the time, last week, Zay Flowers. Like that would have been a home run slam dunk for you. Well, yeah. You, last... get, you get something in production and you get the upside in the rookie. Now we know what Zay Flowers is, but I'll still do the same thing for QJ at this point. You know, he's a faller that people are shitting on. So why not do him? But. Like I don't always have to go for the sexiest wide receiver. Sometimes it's just about a production. Sure. And you get that extra that extra piece, right? That extra one. In, in, in best ball, especially.
1: Yeah. In best ball you can get away with kind Deeper of foregoing foregoing thing. the um the dynasty approach and just taking constant multiple players of production. Like the you can definitely do that. As long as you're not doing it in a single or two trades, right? You do it as a whole process, that'll end up playing uh, well for you um do, do you I, think but, to, I, but, like I, but i do think it would be a very hard for people to make that trade a week ago like even yourself like you probably I'm not saying you wouldn't do it but you'd be thinking man could i get more right and it's easy to in hindsight 2020 to say you take that deal now today and i don't even you know i don't like Debo, but shoot man I'm i'm having a real conversation like dude if i don't if that trades out there like, how am I not doing this in best ball, right? I don't know, so, man.
2: I looked at your dynasty rankings. He's the number one wide receiver in your ranks.
1: There you go. Debo? <laughs> yeah, there he is. We call, we call, we, we call that foul play. Um,
2: what? <laughs> what? There was no foul play involved. <laughs>
1: so it, you must well, have, you must have had
2: too much Buffalo Trace one night and just.
1: Exactly. It just I'm sure it just. A,
2: was... a Buried the hatchet with Debo. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, I do it. Is there a team or league situation where I'd be better off with Flowers or a first someone than Ridley? I mean, in best ball, I'm taking Zay Flowers in a first every single time.
2: Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. Now,
1: Mike, the question is, he's also asking, is there a team where he's better off – I mean, best ball, start anything, I'm taking the first and mm-hmm. say Flowers. But in lineup, is there a – because I think the question for me, Simon, is – is there a format where you're saying, like, no, I don't want the first in Zay Flowers? Like, is does that exist?
2: No. No.
1: Lineup start nine. You're, you're saying process, because even though Ridley looks like he could be a absolute unit. Um, could be. He, he, Zay Flowers did too well in game one, plus you get the first, you have more outs, right?
2: Yep. You can yep. flip Zay if you actually need production for, you know, something in the same thing that's going to be, and you just pocket the first.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's where play
2: for me, regardless. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. look at what Re- Ridley's absolute, you know, what his realistic production could be, and you are going to find, you know, probably five, six wide receivers around that range where you go, yeah, they don't cost what Calvin Ridley does, or they don't have the steam that Calvin Ridley does, but they have similar production. So, could I trade Zay Flowers straight up for one of them? Yeah, and then I just take home the first for free. That's the the multiple moves, even in a start nine lineup league, makes sense to do it that way.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, that would be the format where if you didn't make the trade, <clears throat> I could that, that, that would be the only one where I could see where someone's even really arguing on the other side of it, right? Is there. Yeah. And I think the one thing to think about in that format is for both sides of it. There there's a scenario where it's Calvin Ridley if he has this type of a, you know, target share and opportunity with Trevor Lawrence in this offense. Yeah. Sky's the limit. Now Zay Flowers is coming off of a, a great volume week, and I think the volume is going to be pretty good. Andrews comes back, eats into that a little bit. Not saying Zay Flowers isn't still a great talent, but to the point Mike you're making about Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, this may be a better name than is you know every single week starting. But you have the first. That's where that's where the trade is not just one player. However, in start nine, you know a lot of times people want to have the full dollar than they want to have even. Buck 25, but it's all in quarters, right? So that's where, the, um, that's where the that Calvin comes around.
2: The Calvin Ridley thing could really be a a Stefan Diggs 2.0 situation, right? yes. Um, although it's going to last a a lot shorter, right? Diggs is only one year older than him, it's kind of weird to say, right? It feels yeah. like Diggs has been around for forever, really still a young guy, and that's not really the case, but true. Uh, you could have that situation though. We could be talking about, you know, I'll be out here defending calvin ridley next year being like why are we ranking him so low in dynasty i get it like it's going to be shorter because of his age factor but production wise could could still be there he could still be at a credible value but yeah i think even in that case like if people are going to shit on him because of the age then you know taking zay flowers in the first because of the zay hype is just more more am- ammunition <laughs> for you to go yeah we should just do this and then find somebody else
1: yeah i think uh the the other thing to talk about too is in um like could, could
2: you trade a, could you trade Zay Flowers? It doesn't feel this way, Adam, but does it doesn't it feel like you could almost trade Zay Flowers right now for Devontae Adams straight up. <sighs> like you're almost approaching that Goodness. territory right now. It,
1: I think there's a lot of overreaction to Zay. Um, yep. Not even saying it's all wrong, but I think there's probably – I don't think you can do that often, but I bet you it can happen in certain <laughs> leagues, yes. <laughs> Fucking keep trade cut. You just go look at
2: it. <laughs> They've already done it. Right. They well, probably did. They did.
1: They did it by Monday
2: night, like it was already done.
1: I think by Fuck, you know by items. by five o'clock we're you know looking at this passing. <laughs> but done. the one thing I did want to talk about because I think you know all the dynasty degenerates listen that a lot of us play in best ball, but there's plenty of us that do not. And I think I I want to go back to the Garrett Wilson Chris Olave thing and really have more of a best ball lens on it, or uh, not a, not as much of a best ball lens on it, right? Because I think some mm-hmm. people that they, they hear tear down and they understand what that process is. Cause we've talked about it at length, but when you don't play in a lot of best ball or that is a little, you know, foreign to you and you, and that's not the way you approach your lineup teams. You know, again, now we go to the Chris Olave discussion and it's not in best ball where, Hey, you, dude, you give me a top 20, top 25 receiver? And you give me that first in best ball. Like, I don't even necessarily have to love the player to to say hey that that move makes sense the because process. Yep. the process is is tearing down and getting multiple assets more shots at the dartboard. However, in a lineup league, if you're gonna play the any running back on a fifty-three approach, like you are gonna most people are gonna be a lot more selective in the player in this tear down that they're going to get for you know said said receiver right now you're having the exact same thing. I think this is where we can almost transition this to current day. I don't think people have given up on Wilson yet, whether they should or shouldn't. I'm not going to, I can't guarantee that I'm not necessarily giving up on him, but my like hopes for him this year are not as good, but people are starting to feel like they're giving up on the season of Drake London. So like, here's another discussion, like in lineup, I think one, how selective are you in like a lineup, start nine or start 10, if you were going to try to get wide receiver three prices in theory, because um, the two seconds thing now is not really of interest as much at all in a lineup league versus, you know, yep. getting that in a best ball. So what would that look like? What are the players types that you're willing to go to? And then two, like right now, I think the actionable thing is also Drake London. There's a lot of people on panic sell Drake London because I want production. So I guess kind of a two-part question, revisiting, but also bringing Drake London into this and talking from the lineup lens.
2: I think I think this is what I was uh, hinting to or alluding to earlier. I get it. The format and start nine doesn't doesn't lend you to you know you don't want to tear down as far and you don't want to settle for two seconds because they don't mean as much in your league format. I think we as dynasty managers, though, to get that edge and to also de-risk yourself, need to be more open to that kind of thing. Like we need to be more open to. DK Metcalf in two seconds for Garrett Wilson. Because people were hating on DK Metcalf. Like, we like him, but people didn't like him as much. Maybe you go down to Brandon Ayuk in two seconds. Maybe you go down to a... Oh, shit. This is weird. Weird to say. Michael Pittman in two seconds. Even in a start nine or a shallower one. And I know the seconds don't mean as much but their liquidity that you still have that you could package later in a deal. And a second, to be completely honest, Adam, while it itself is not going to go buy you more than likely a player that's going to be a difference maker for your team in a start nine, it's a piece that you can add to other deals that people may go, this is getting me a difference maker, a true one. But if you have things that have risky downside, like a Garrett Wilson or like a Chris Olave, or like a Drake London before this week, those are the things, even in shallower leagues, you should be exploring more. Like, those should be the moves that you go. This feels gross, this feels uncomfortable, but I need to do it for almost out of necessity. Like, this is almost an automatic thing. I'm selling something at its peak, and I'm getting multiple pieces in return. I'm not saying go out and take, you know, pre Puka Nakua breakout, you know, three fucking Puka Nakua's for your Garrett Wilson. Don't be ridiculous. We're not, we're not insane. But find something in that reasonable range because the big thing especially at wide receiver adam what makes it so beneficial is i can look at probably 30 wide receivers and tell you they have all have a realistic shot at being a top five wide receiver on the year but nobody ever wants to admit that calvin ridley started from outside this range <clears throat> way outside this range Not only last year with the gambling suspension, but heading up, it's been a slow buildup where people are, are inevitably getting on board with Calvin Ridley, and then you see week one, and now it looks like top five season. Shit, this is realistic opportunity. This is almost guaranteed at this point. That's not how it fucking started, though. Calvin Ridley was in the 30s, 40s for wide receivers. Sure. Wide receiver is such a deep position where I think if you can just get over the stomach where it sounds gross to go down to wide receiver 24 from wide receiver three and get your draft picks, even if they're draft picks in that format that don't seem to matter so much, that's the move. That's the edge. And that's what you should be doing going forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess um, like, okay, so there's, there's 30 receivers. Um, like for me, I wouldn't put 30 in the category. I understand your point though. There's a, it's a deep position where there are a lot of players that have the ability to Um, like, pop off, not just weekly, but for a season. They could be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very good players, right? Difference makers. I do think, though, one of the things about the position, like Ridley, like, I'll use him as an example, where, all right, if you're going to do this type of a thing in in a format like that, if I'm going to say I really, really, really need to get off of Garrett Wilson, like, I think in this format, the reason I don't – I'm not going to panic as much about getting off of him is – realistically like there's a scenario where him and let's say a Pittman really don't finish that different and the market for wilson's better to trade out elsewhere so like but with ridley l- l- let's just talk about this for a second Ridley's attached to trevor lawrence so if i'm going to do this type of a trade i'm almost looking for what are the type of receivers that are devalued that i'm willing to say have you know with if things hit right because in this format i'm really looking to stack up Consolidate and stack up studs that have a chance to be like your point, top 12, top 5, top 10. Mm-hmm. So, Ridley, I think, attached to Lawrence, if it all was to hit, you could make the case without seeing week one. Man, if he ends up getting that like alpha role, that's something I want. Whereas Pittman, as, as much as I, I've fought and liked the player, Anthony Richardson, young quarterback coming over, like if I'm looking to replace it right now, I'm not even saying you can't make the trade for that. To me, that's where you know, I, I'd be. If you're going to do this and you're not going to get like a true first, get off of this type of a player, I'd be looking to what receivers are the ones I want. So I think you can be a little more selective. Now, Brandon Ayuk is a perfect example of one. He's attached to Brock Purdy. Nobody saw, as much as we love him, nobody saw him putting up that week one into the point you're making. You know, it, that, that doesn't even look like it's going away for the full season. He might be a top 10, 12 receiver for the year. Nobody's going to like look at you crazy anymore. So. Sometimes the the, the tear down approach can work. Um, I think when you're getting crusty though, as far as like not getting back reaping top crazy wide receiver three pricing for um one like you know Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, I'm looking to chase someone that can be a positional difference maker and take those extra picks. Now, what about Drake London? So like right now with Drake London is he one that you're talking about? You'll take the the Pittman? Is it any different for him, or are you almost a little more aggressive in what you'll take back for London given? The Arthur Smith thing kind of really is scary for the whole season.
2: Yeah, I think this one's more of a, a caution. Um, not downright panic, right? But there's a little bit more alarm, like Adam am I, am I more worried about Drake London's long term value or Garrett Wilson's? Right now it's Drake London's, right? Because of this QE sure. situation's even worse than Zach Wilson. <laughs>
1: hard to believe but yeah right
2: the offensive coordinator is even worse than nathaniel hackett (laughs) i think that's the
1: big thing for a passing weapon this is not the offense you want pieces of
2: well we we told ourselves a story that was rosy about the target share and then you know didn't really look at total volume or the fact that you know this could go down but um I, i think i'm a little bit more concerned but Adam, I'm like, like totally panicked. Like I'm not desperately trying to get off of Drake London before the bottom falls out. Because I also do think there's probably going to be a game coming up where he goes, you know, 10 for 100 in a touchdown. And people are like, I've told you, you know, and that that's kind of where you go. All right. Now is my time to get off him. But that's just Dynasty Market. I think I'm interested in seeing what people will buy him for. You know, if I can get out at a first and a second price, like I think I just cash out and go. Yep here you go, you take it and I'll I'll go do on, I'll go do something else. Like I'll go figure out what else I want to do to replace it. But I'm not going like any first, any first, like I need to get out so badly or, or, you know, any wide receiver in the top 40, like, give me your, your Puka Nakua. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, But yeah, I am a little bit more concerned about him. I think it just speaks to the wide receiver position. Like this stuff can change so much. And, and for me, Adam, it's really just about the, the amount of wide receivers we have in this game, right? We're getting more and more, it seems, every year, more and more talented. I want to give a little bit of a shout-out, too, to uh, T-Rock. Her article he wrote for the website a couple weeks ago about positional volatility. And you think about it, this just kind of speaks to the Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, or if you want to throw Drake London in, and, and how high he got elevated, too, just on, on projection-type production. Adam, wide receiver 12, wide receivers repeat at the most consistent basis in all of fantasy football as far as elite production, like the most consistent. And, Adam, it isn't like new breakouts every single year. That's usually not the thing. What's usually scoring points is the old crusty vets, the old standbys, the same fucking people that were in there last year are going to be the same, more than likely, people that do it the next year. You know, as much as we want to in a dynasty landscape go – um, Ah, shit. Like, I don't really believe this guy was a, you know, wide receiver 14 on the year last year. Odds are, if he stays healthy, he's probably going to be in that same ballpark the next year. So, we always want to put the next one in. Like, we always want to move the next one in. And I'm telling you, like, Garrett Wilson could have broken out. Chris Olave could break out this year. I'm not saying that they wouldn't. But, likelihood is, it probably wasn't happening. The odds say that. You know they might approach or jump up a few spots, but they were going to have a hard time cracking that top twelve territory. They're going to have a hard time break breaking that that value ceiling like at this point. And I think the whole overall theme of my web or the this this podcast, the whole overall theme of what I was trying to get at Adam is, anytime you start to approach that where the dynasty value is more than what the production is by a fair amount, right? You know I don't know what Garrett Wilson was last year, wide receiver. 23, 24. I don't know what the fuck. Points per game? like.
1: Uh, yeah. Probably depends on format, but in PPR, it was roughly 22 to 25.
2: Right. Not top five, right? like wasn't close.
1: No, of course right. not.
2: And if you have this big of a gap between what you're actually getting from production and what people are perceiving as dynasty value, even if it's not 100% real, Adam, the fact was it was a real for enough people where you know a wide receiver like Mike Michael Pittman, who outproduced him last year, is ranked – 15 spots lower than for almost everybody else universally Mm -hmm. if that's the kind of value discrepancy you're going to have from actual production those are going to become more automatic sells for me less about projection less about what i think about the player more about what they've actually done on the field and more about the the overall process of just taking the extra on top of it now, it doesn't have to be this old school extra that we always talk about with get it first, you know, because like you said, people are wising up. They're becoming harder. People hold on to them longer. They go, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to do this traditional tear down. You can still work some angles and you can still get some of these done. But, you know, it may not be the case. I'm I'm really just talking about getting more comfortable just being taking less, right? Taking 80 percent of what we thought we used to be able to get. And I think overall, if you do that and stop putting so much value into, you know, projections, I think we'll be better off as a dynasty dynasty community, right? The people who follow this, the dynasty degenerates, will win more in the end. And the positional volatility that, that T-Rock was, was talking about, if you guys got want to go take a look at it, pretty much signifies that. I think the only positions you can really look at it for positional volatility and go but per projections projections like breakouts that kind of stuff would be the running back position because the new hot rookie the new you know guy breaks on the scene all the time those guys can't actually crack top five and give you elite production based on nothing
1: all right um there you have it i i i don't necessarily agree i agree with a lot of the points you made I, i don't agree with all of it but uh yeah, I mean, I think, listen, overall, if you're able to tear down at a lot of positions and get to a player that you feel comfortable with and you're netting the extra, um, and like to Mike's point, like if you go out there and you try to always get the trade value that Key Trade Cutter, some of these calculators say, you're probably not going to get that much as the extra. So uh definitely agree with that point. I, I think one of the things about the, the article that I, that I read that really stands out to me on the flip side of that is you know how many receivers do we say in their rookie season are top 12 receivers in in their year one and it's you're going to find it's very very few right and we know that so i'm not really like going to say i'm selling my rookie receiver that shows a lot of promise because he didn't just produce in year one now where it starts getting different is year 2 we're saying the same thing right you get like the Drake London thing um, if Garrett Wilson doesn't produce now, all of a sudden the values will change and players projections will, will be different. But part of the problem with, you know, the rookie season, that's so great in the learning where you don't want, you would like to sell at a peak if you can, right. Even, Cause even if you could sell at a perfect peak, to your point, you net out unless he just smashes. And even then you're probably still getting 90% or 80% of what you would have captured had, you know, if he gets all the way there. The thing is, one because of what you said and what T-Rock, T-Rock wrote, top 12 receivers, they tend to stay. You get one of these guys that gets top 12 in their 23, 24-year-old season, Mike, that is an asset that you don't want to ever let go. So to the point, though, if you're going to make a bet, more often than not, they're not going to actually finish in the top 12 because there's only 12. So, um, But th- that's where like selling off of one of those light could be problematic. Now, for everyone listening, Dynasty Generals, I think – there's a lot of really good information here. Ultimately, how you take it, what what you apply, what you don't, that should be up to you and how you kind of see it fit for your different teams, think about your formats, all that. I thought a really good discussion today, man, um, between the wide receivers, uh, some of the guys that popped off that you didn't expect, tearing down, understanding your different formats, best ball and lineup, start you 9-10, know, start 12, best ball. is going to change a lot of what you take on and how – How really uncomfortable, to Mike's point, you're willing to go in the plus department. So um, think about that for your teams. And think about, for for me, one last point is, which one of these guys that's either really dipped in value off of a week or a couple weeks, are you looking at buying low? And are there some that you want to say, man, I love this player, but he's had a great start to the year. Am I better liquidating now, again, in the teardown sense? So think about all those things
2: yeah I think that's probably the biggest takeaway too is just the uh the overall strategy right
1: mm-hmm.
2: i mean if you're if you're worried or panicking right now and you're selling low like that's what that's what people capitalize on right right like, it's It's like the stock market and I know people will be like well you you know if you got out at this time then you wouldn't have lost this much money I get it I get it there's stocks that'll go to zero jy yeah. lance whatever I get it it happens right but generally adam now is the worst time to sell like wait for that little little bounce back and then sell wait for that little bit of bubble and then sell and the kind of the same thing if a stock is on this fucking trajectory just going straight up at what point do you go like i just gotta get out like i i'm good like i love them to death but come on <laughs> like how much higher can i actually go and i think if you ask yourself that question overall and you, you kind of stay with that in the dynasty trade landscape you would be completely fine
1: yeah, in a process, if you're making those trades, I think you know what we should do is call this title the uh, Puka Nakua Dogecoin because that is what we're looking <laughs> at right now, uh, Dynasty Degenerates.
2: Shit, that's more like Shiba Coin. <laughs> yeah, what,
1: find your find your type of uh, of coin, your crypto that you think this is going to the moon, and um, did you hold it or not? And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play forty chess.
2: That's gonna do it. I'm gonna take my ass to bed. Love y'all. Peace. Peace.